on the National Catholic Register. This is Register Radio, bringing light and clarity to the news and topics that affect your life. Father Emil Capon, the Korean War military chaplain, prisoner of war, and Medal of Honor recipient, has finally returned home to Kansas, where his remains were laid to rest September 29th. Today, Register staff writer Joseph Pronishin shares the story of Father Capon's heroism, his journey home, and the impact his life has had on so many across the nation. Also, happy Feast of the Guardian Angels. On this special day, we'll learn more about the mission of angels with Monsignor Charles Pope. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Editor-in-Chief of the National Catholic Register. I'm joined by my co-host, Matthew Bunsen. Hi, Matthew. Hello. Great to be with you. It is great to be with you. Uh, you were telling me that you were able to watch some of EWTN's coverage of uh, this funeral mass of Servant of God, Father Emil Capon. What did you see? Well, it's a beautiful coming home, and this is uh, one of those uh, figures that uh, his cause was opened back in, I think, 1993 under Pope John Paul II, uh, but now bringing him from Hawaii to Kansas, uh, it's, it's a, it was a beautiful moment, and for yeah. me personally, it was very interesting because my dad, who was 28 years in the Army Medical Service Corps, actually had two tours in Korea, so I, I don't imagine that their paths crossed very much. But uh, to have that little tie, too, I thought was very moving. Absolutely. And, of course, Joe Pronishin, uh, the Register staff writer, who ha is somewhat of an expert on heroic uh, Catholic military, military chaplains, is, is going to join us to tell more of the story of Father Capon. Uh, he's been covering him for years. Uh, but I would just mention, he returned home first to Pilsen, Kansas. And that was last Saturday. His remains were, were brought to his family ahead of the formal funeral mass, which, as I said, is on September 29th in Wichita. And, of course, Father Capon will be laid uh, to rest. He will be interred in the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception there in Wichita. Uh, but let's let Joe tell us all about who Father Capon is. Uh, Joe, Joseph Pronishin, a trusty staff writer for the Register, it's good to be with you again. Thank you, Jeanette, and it's good to be on Register Radio again. Yes, yes. So so, so many people were watching this vigil. I think people have grown um, in affection for Father Capon as they've learned of him over these years. Uh, his heroism is, is being talked about, was talked about this week in, in media outlets across the country. I mean, of course, not simply Catholic ones. Uh, what can you share about this remarkable story of, of Father Capon? So much. I can't get it all in in 15 minutes. However, we'll try to <laughs> get as much in. And uh, Father Capon was uh, a World War II chaplain toward the end of World War II, and then he came back to Pilsen uh, to his home church. He became pastor, which St. John the Pomacene Church, which are kind of interesting because I grew up in St. John the Pomacene Church in Connecticut, and uh, so it was a nice uh, connection there I, uh, when I a uh, nice surprise when I first start covering Father Capon's story. Uh, and then he uh, asked his bishop, uh, begged his bishop, to go back to the military, especially with Korean War coming up, and his bishop finally let him go. And uh, he was a chaplain for two years there, uh, helping who he called his boys. Uh, and here he was only uh, uh, in early 30s himself, right. died at the age of 35. Uh, and yet he was very, uh, he'd do anything. He would even uh, uh, constantly... Uh, 
um, uh, out in Korea, uh, volunteer for digging latrine duty uh, with the other, with the guys. So that's why he was, you know, loved by them. They, they he did jobs they didn't want to do. Um, and um, uh, there, once he was captured by the um, uh, by the uh, Chinese communists in North Korea. Uh, it was quite a surprise capture for the, uh, the American soldiers there, and they were marched on this death march to uh, prisoner of war camps over there. Uh, he um, uh, showed such a total disregard for himself, as, as uh, Mike Dow said. Mike Dow was a young Army lieutenant who was in prison with Father Capon, and he was there supposedly at the mass, and I didn't quite see him um, uh, featured on the, because uh, he's still alive, I believe, uh, and he was at the middle of honor ceremony at the White House. But Mike Dow uh, helped uh, make Father Capon known when he came back uh, uh, because he had nothing but the best things to say. All the soldiers considered him a saint at that particular time. On this death march, uh, he was so, if you want to say, heroic that uh, uh, the Chinese would shoot anybody who fell down uh, and couldn't continue the march. And one soldier fell down uh, into a ditch. The Chinese were about to shoot him, and Father on rushed up, knocked the Chinese soldier out of the way, and picked the uh, American up. Wow! And and it says the Chinese soldier was so flabbergasted he didn't know what to do, and he he didn't shoot either one of them, which he could have easily. But um, this happened throughout the camp, uh, st- throughout the stay there um, for the several months he was there before he died eventually. But he just how well, did he succumb, Joe? How did he die? He plum just wore himself out. He was so he caught them um, because. Uh, Conditions were extremely unsanitary in those camps. They got uh, a little bit of uh, a bird seed millet to eat every day, and, and he would give his rations away. Uh, so he was, uh, uh, in a sense, uh, almost starving, you know, but he was at the same time keeping everybody else's, uh, uh, everybody else's uh, uh, morale up so that they would want to live and want to get back to America uh, at, at some uh, time, you know, and, uh, once they were freed, and hopefully, hopes that they were freed. Uh, and he contracted pneumonia. Uh, there were a couple of doctors in the camp that were American uh, Army doctors. They were taking care of him, and the um, uh, he was he was recovering. It was in May of that year because they had just uh, gone through with only summer uniforms, the coldest uh, North Korean winter. Uh, up to that point, it was it was often forty degrees below zero, and so so a lot of the guys were obviously uh, were even freezing uh, mm-hmm. to death. A number of them did, and uh, he was starting to recover from the pneumonia when the um, Chinese communists came in and decided to haul him off to their sick bay, what they call their hospital, uh, which was a, uh, a euphemism for the death house because uh, nobody ever came out of there alive. They said. Mm. Uh, and one of the big reasons was because they didn't know what to do with him. Uh, Mike Dow, um, in fact, said that. That's almost a direct quote from Mike. He says, uh, uh, the Chinese had absolutely no idea what to do with Father Capon uh, because he was keeping the morale of the men up so so much. He would, uh, he would go around to the other huts. He would scrounge food. He would care for the wounded, all in disregard for himself. And they saw he wasn't, he wasn't afraid to die. You know? Absolutely. It was incredible. And he would even make them uh, some scrap metal because from growing up on a farm as a young boy, uh, he knew uh, you know how to take care of himself out on the Kansas plain and whatnot, and and how to uh, improvise. And so he would make uh, uh, for the GIs suffering from dysentery and all, and uh, to keep morale up in this in this uh, cold weather too. 
uh, he'd make pans out of any pieces of metal he could get, roofing tin, for example. He'd catch the rainwater and the snow, the snow he would melt, and and boil it in the morning, because he, he had a pipe, they'd give him some matches, and uh, he would say, hot coffee, boys, <laughs> and he'd go around, uh, uh, you know, uh, serving them this to the soldiers in the in the, the hut he was in, and Dow said, he says that as far as coffee, he called it, it was fantastic. And just little things like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Joe, um, the, the story of Father Capon, there are two really interesting things. The number of medals that he was granted, including the Distinguished Service Cross, Medal of Honor, but also the, his burial and then the way that uh, the Defense Department, the POWMIA accounting agency, was able to find him. Could you talk a little bit about that? Um, one of the soldiers uh, actually was among a couple that buried him, and he didn't mm-hmm. let this um, information out for something like 50 years. And what had happened was they thought he was just rolled over into a ravine by the communists and piled up with the other corpses. But um, at the end of the Korean War, uh, or, or when the, uh, the truce was signed, uh, one of the conditions was they sent several thousand bodies of the GIs back to America, but they were actually buried in Hawaii in one of the Hawaiian cemeteries there. Everybody thought, well, maybe Father Capon was just in that mass grave. Uh, but this, this prisoner of war, uh, when he saw that, it, it was quite miraculous in a sense. He was in a doctor's office, saw a magazine with the, the picture of Father Capon unidentified, saying mass on a jeep. And he says, I know that priest. And he told the doctor, he said, the army told us never to talk about Camp 5, uh, where they were imprisoned. Uh, but he says, I know him, and I know what he did. And he says, I know I buried him myself with a couple of guys. Oh, like wow. So when they brought all those uh, that weren't in the mass, uh, you know, in, in the ravine back, uh, uh, the the army started, once DNA started coming in, I believe it was the DNA that identified them, and they were, uh, the, the remains are 95% identified, so there's no question at all about his. And, you know, I have not seen whether um, they had his dog tags, too, but there was a, if you, you look closely at the funeral today, one of the camera shots was a close-up of the coffin, and hanging from the coffin was a dog tag. Mm. And I wondered myself if that was, um, you know, his, uh, it could very well have been. Absolutely. You know, I remember, Joe, uh, back in 2018, uh, you wrote a story about some remains that were returning from North Korea, and you wrote, will Father Capon's remains be among those? They were not among those, and and it was a really interesting story about how, um, basically, how the government, how the military goes about identifying remains, um, and and through this DNA process you mentioned. So it certainly was a very lengthy process, and uh, many many moments of hope where um, it, those who knew Father Capon hoped they would have found they found his remains, and it was false, uh, false alarm, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but in in the end, they did, uh, which is really a beautiful. A beautiful thing. I, I mentioned that he, they were returned first last Saturday uh, to the town of Pilsen, where he is from, uh, the small farming town in Kansas, uh, where many people, um, relatives and people who might might have known him, still alive, um, but others who just celebrate him, have celebrated him for these 70 years. What are some of the ways that they celebrate uh, their hometown hero? You've talked to many of these people in the past. Oh, yes, yes. And, and well, one of the big ways is that they... Uh uh, keep his memory alive with the museum uh, right by the, the church there. 
Uh, and they, uh, in the last several years, they get more and more visitors uh, all the time as this case progresses over here. Uh, or, or seems to progress, you know. It's, it's kept alive. They've kept alive his his name, and it just seems to grow um, uh, constantly. You know? uh, uh, w- even with uh, their uh, uh, not sitting back, but even without uh, some of the things that were promoting it, you know, it just it just keeps growing. Um, they just completed in, in September now um, a, a pilgrimage. There's uh, several hundred, and this was the 13th year they're doing this. They walk from. Um, uh, East Wichita to Pilsen, which is a 60-mile walk, which is kind of about the same distance uh, Father Capon uh, had to walk uh, from the uh, capture to the uh, uh, prisoner war camps there. And and, uh, and they do this over four days, and they want to honor Father Capon doing this and, and reflect on their own faith at the same time and, and how they could, uh, in a sense... Uh, Turn to him, look to him, ask for his intercession, and they uh, so sixty miles in four days is kind of a long uh, a long haul. And then they have daily mass confessions along the way, and then uh, they do something called Father Capon Stations uh, along the way, which I guess recalls his uh, his ordeal there. And then when they get to the uh, they pray the rosary at that time, and uh, they finish the pilgrimage at Father Capon's home parish, the Saint John of Pomacine, with. Uh, with mass on the fourth day, so and normally it's over four hundred people. This year it was over four hundred wow. people, and normally that's what they. Uh, uh, well, it's it's really beautiful, Joe. Thanks for always keeping us in tune to to this kind of her- heroism. Um, it, it's uh, one of uh, your best uh, subjects, and and people people love to to read about it. And and I really invite our listeners to go to ncregistered.com and search in our search bar there, Father. Emil, E-M-I-L, Capon, K-A-M-A-U-N. And you will learn more about him. You can also visit the Catholic Diocese of Wichita.org. And there they have a page about Father Capon and his cause for canonization. So you can invoke his intercession. And uh, I hear that there are miracles. We'll have to talk about those another day. Um, But certainly pray um, for the intercession of Father Capon. Uh, Joe, thanks so much for being with us. You're welcome, Jeanette. Always wonderful to be on Register Radio. When I come back, Matthew and I will speak about angels, the mission of angels with Monsignor Charles Pope. Stay tuned for more on Register Radio here on EWTN. Archbishop Cordelione talks about the National Catholic Register. The Register's content is so critically important in the society we're living in now. There's an absence of the practice of religion in public life. So all the more important is it for people to be reading the Register so that they can acquire more understanding of our Catholic faith. I've appreciated the catechetical benefits of the content of the Register. It presents very clear Catholic teaching in a way that is easily digestible. To get six free issues, order online at ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. That's ncregister.com forward slash radio or 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. Call or click today. The National Catholic Register. Read faithfully. Let's return to Register Radio on EWTN. 
Welcome back. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Editor-in-Chief of the National Catholic Register and your host here on Register Radio. I'm joined by Matthew Bunsen, Executive Editor of EWTN News, who is my co-host. Uh, Matthew, we are celebrating angels this week in a couple of different ways. We had uh, the Feast of the Archangels on September 29th, and now we have October 2nd, the Feast of the Guardian Angels. What what an important thing to remember is just the presence of angels in our life all around us. And for that very uh, remembrance and, and to learn more about them, we are joined by Monsignor Charles Pope, who wrote a five-part series on the mission of angels. He wrote that for the Archdiocese of Washington, where he blogs, where he's a pastor, of course, and he blogs there regular, regularly for the Archdiocesan web, website, but he also blogs regularly for ncregister.com, for which we are truly grateful. Monsignor Pope, it's wonderful to have you back on Register Radio. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thank you. So, you know, we have a vague sense, many of us, of who angels are. Uh, you know, you see these cute figures sometimes, uh, you know, a keychain or a bumper sticker or, or even lovely images we put over our children's beds. But, mm -hmm. but, but really, who are the guardian angels and, and how do we know about them anyway? Yeah, well, you know, we know about them basically from Scripture uh, to begin with. And then, of course, tradition supplies a lot of things. Now, not all of that tradition is dogmatic, um, you know, but uh, it's, it's, it's pretty agreed upon uh, from Christian antiquity as well as into, uh, you know, Old Testament times. Um, but but uh, clearly we see uh, a number of examples in Scripture about how angels come to the assistance of uh, of human beings. Um there's a, um, you know, starting all the way back in Exodus, there, there, it says, Behold, I'm sending my angel before you to protect you all along the way to bring you to the place I prepared. So pay attention to him. Listen to his voice and don't defy him, for he will not forgive rebellion. My name is in him. Listen carefully to his voice. Now, this could be the guardian angel or it could be just the angel leading Israel in general, because not only are there guardian angels for individuals, but tradition also holds that cities and nations mm. and, you know, things, large groups have uh, angels appointed to their care as well. Um, but there's other, other places um, where, um, you know, we see that, um, you know, for example, Abraham, I'm sorry, Israel, I should say, Jacob, blessed his son saying that, uh, he said, may the God of my fathers, uh, who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, um, who, uh, who, and may the angel who has delivered me from all evil bless these sons. So he refers to his angels. Likewise, Psalm 91 says, may God command his angels to watch over you and guard you in all your ways. And they'll bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And then, of course, the classic one is from Matthew 18, where we see that uh, Jesus says, uh, the, regarding my little ones, and we're all his little ones, this isn't just little children, but uh, for I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So Jesus is applies. I could go give more. There's places where sure. in Acts and other places, but you know, you get the idea. And it's, you it's, give them in, in your blog, which I hope people will go to ncregister.com to read. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, on the role of our guardian angels is how you titled it. And, uh, and it's really, it gives you, you're, you're always so good, uh, Monsignor, about giving us those scriptural examples. And as you mentioned, the tradition. And of course, when, when we say tradition as Catholics, we're referring uh, to the fathers um, and their mm -hmm. writings uh, mm -hmm. that really 
um, take, you know, draw upon scripture, but everything that was handed down um, from the apostles to us is, is there mm-hmm. in so many of the writings of those uh, church fathers. And, and so you've given us a clear uh, way of seeing that. And, and, and I love what you do. You, you name some of the ways uh, that, that scripture and the fathers refer to angels, protectors, mm-hmm. superintendents, mm-hmm. overseers, assistants, herdsmen, instructors. And, uh, and that's, that gives us a good sense of what angels can do uh, in our lives, uh, which is very important. But one thing you wrote that I just, I love the line is, be careful to remember that angels are our guardians, not our pets. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. what, what do you mean by that? Well, I've noticed over the years, and I think it's 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 well intentioned, but it's out of line, <laughs> which is um, that um, you know people sort of treat their guardian angel, they name them. I'm going to name my guardian angel. The, the Vatican, by the way, some years ago warned against practices like that, um, mm. um, and they they sort of treat them like, well, I'll get my guardian angel to do this, or I'm going to ask my guardian, you know, and okay, you can you can ask, and I I think that's good, but. Mostly, what you you heard from that quote from Exodus, you're supposed to listen to the angel and obey him, because he's he's you know in a way a guardian over you. Uh, now, one of the reasons we shouldn't name the our guardian angel, and again, I, I, this is not the worst thing in the world. I, get, I usually get letters and cards, <laughs> but but the, but the, the, we we name things beneath us. So you know uh, we name our pets, or we parents you know who have authority over their children name their children, and and so on. Man names things, you know. But beneath us, but we don't name things above us. Um, this is a little backwards. And uh, we, we have to remember that the angels, in terms of creation, are superior to us. And God sets them over us, not um, alongside or um, and so on. Yeah. yeah, it's very interesting. You know, I mean, a prayer for us might be, I mean, instead of sending them on a, our own bidding, a prayer might be, uh, you know, guardian angel, help me to know the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, guardian angel, help me to love my neighbor better. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, help me to be more patient, um, you know, uh, with virtue, uh, mm-hmm. with my children um, uh, when I'm having trouble with patience. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I think we can, uh, of course, pray for good things and assistance, again, that the protection and assistance is so important. Mm-hmm. One thing you said is we, you know, we don't name things, um, but we name things below us, not above us. We don't give our own names for that which is above us. Um, we do know some of the names of angels, and of mm-hmm. course, this refers to the archangels. We we know that um, from scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the the feast we celebrate, September 29th. How, how are these angels, archangels, different from guardian angels? Well, uh, the archangels are above guardian angels in the sense that they sort of, if, you know, if you want to look at the nine choirs of angels, our guardian angels are, are the, you know, the, the the one rank here on earth, but above them uh, would be the archangels and then the principalities. Um, now we, um, archangels are different in the sense that, yeah, they, they, they seem to have a mission to make great announcements not just personal announcements but great announcements so the um the announcement to the blessed mother um you know um the the announcement you know that we see that um mm. that gabriel gives you know to these these things have implications for the whole human family so they they have a, that that kind of a role as well now we know their names because scripture gives it that's the only reason we would name them um and um uh, you know, that, that's, of course, given to us in Scripture. Yeah, and, and Father, the uh, 
the, the whole idea of uh, the name of an angel uh, is a messenger. Yes. And so uh, even our guardian angels are delivering a message, so to speak. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. Pope Francis was talking about, uh, sort of repeating the, the famous prayer that I want to ask you about, uh, uh, that we say to our guardian angels, but mm-hmm. talking about asking them to protect us, to help us. But then there's always that requirement, okay, you need to be listening to them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that beautiful prayer we all know so well, you know, mm-hmm. we, we, at least those of us are older. <laughs> um, Angel of God, my guardian dear, to who God's love commits me here. Ever this day be at my side to light and guard and rule and guide. So there's none of this, um, hey, he's my butler. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> step and fetch, get me this. I will say that when I do ask my guardian angel, because you were saying earlier, you know, <laughs> I was, you know, I, I would say, like, for example, I, I have often found sending my guardian angel to someone else's guardian angel who I know is troubled, or uh, maybe there's something, there's a difference between us. And I say, guardian angel, if it be your will, would you go to so-and-so's guardian angel and just send my, my love, my respect? And mm. uh, I usually find that clears a lot of stuff up. <laughs> but I always yeah. say, if it be your will. Yeah, yeah the, the saints like uh, Gemma Golgani, who very famously could see their guardian angels. And, and uh, what's the, the famous story that she was meeting with the, one of the popes, and he said, I understand you can see your guardian angel, and she said, you can't? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. That's, right. That's beautiful. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I would love to leave our listeners with an image. Uh, you also mention in, in the piece on the guardian angels that uh, the angels surround us. And, the, and the, what better place to really think of the angels and the heavenly host but... Uh, during the Euchar- the Holy Eucharist, the Mass, the Holy Mass, uh, Monsignor, describe what we should, what what the angels would see when we were at Mass da- uh, daily or weekly. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> in the liturgy, uh, the fathers of the Church say that every human action is sort of doubled by that of an angel. So, for example, we sort of make reference to this in the Roman Canon. You know, Lord, may, may your angel take this sacrifice to your altar on high to, in heaven. Um, and so there, there's this um, uh, ministering spirit so that uh, although the priest is acting in persona Christi, nevertheless, uh, it's often held that the priest also has a, a kind of a, um, you know, a, a, a sanctifying angel, who, you know, who assists um, in, in bringing, you know, bringing forth the power of that grace. And, um, and so, but also, you know, if, if our eyes could be opened, yes, we'd see, as Scripture says, um, the myriads of angels that surround. I mean, just an astonishing array of angels. We don't know how numbered it, but it just says myriads and myriads mm-hmm. of angels were ministering to, to God. And the, the, the glory, the glory that they, they, they shine forth, taking, if you will, bringing forth God's glory and, and, and assisting every action so that somehow the angels are involved in the lector reads and the angels are involved in, in just every action in the Mass. It's Hmm. It's beautiful. Monsignor, thank you so much um, for you sharing your priesthood, um, of course, with all of us and your wisdom um, in your writing. Uh, we, we truly appreciate you. Well, thank you so much. Remember, for more news, analysis, and commentary, to check out the National Catholic Register online at ncregister.com. Thanks for joining us on Register Radio here on EWTN. For Matthew Bunsen and our producer, Jeff Burson, I'm Jeanette DeMello. Until next week, God bless you.